McMaster University has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world, and they are some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we meet alumni in the arts, cutting edge entrepreneurs, alumni leading the way in health, technology, education, and more, as we learn the moments that their path from MAC became unconventional. In today's episode, I'm joined by William Hotchkiss, a 1985 sociology graduate. Will is a businessman and entrepreneur. Beyond his successful private commercial real estate holdings business, he felt that he needed something with better cash flow. So he started a company called Willy Dog in 1989, which he is best known for today. Starting with only a single card in Hamilton and buying it with all the money he had left, he was able to grow Willy Dog into a franchise organization for about 100 locations in the US, Israel, Australia, and Canada. He grew into manufacturing and export and became a multi-million dollar operation. The manufacturing division has evolved into Willy Dog Venture, which builds food trucks, carts, kiosks, and container marketing units. They also build medical units for remote applications and COVID test units. Today, Willy Dog Venture is easily the largest builder of custom marketing and food trucks in Canada, as well as one of the largest in North America. They currently export 60% of production to over 30 countries around the globe. When not working, Will enjoys photography, is a black belt martial artist, pilot, traveler, bilingual in Spanish and English, and currently working on his helicopter license. From time to time, he's asked to speak in front of MBA grad classes about his entrepreneurial experience. Not only is Will a CEO, but he is truly the top dog. So welcome to our podcast, Unconventional, Will. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you. So... Let's go back to when you uh, decided to come to McMaster. You were not a traditional student. You were a mature student. So uh, what made you decide to study at McMaster and then the course that you actually focused on? Uh, gladly. Um, I, I had been um, involved in, in photography. My family had a chain of studios in Toronto and Hamilton. And uh, my dad died when I was about the early 20s. And uh, early twenties, I was twenty, and um, of this company, I really enjoyed running the company to that point. But after that, pleasure was lost at that point. So I did it for a few years, um, and then I decided that I, I wanted to realize one of my lifelong goals, which was to get my university degree. And uh, I did some pre-university. I was a bit stale by by that time. I was twenty-five, I, so I had to do a little bit of uh, studying uh, pre-university University of Toronto. And I applied both at Toronto after that and McMaster. But I, I favored McMaster for quite a few reasons, not the least of which is it's a great university. But the plan was to, to uh, get my MBA. But I, I wasn't a, a great student at the best of times. And I found that when I, when I got to McMaster University and rolled into the first year economics and all the requisite courses, I wasn't the world's best uh, mathematician. And my, my math skills were not sufficiently appropriate to put it politely to to do well in that course and so i i turned to sociology uh, not not for any other reason that i found it interesting i really met some nice professors doing that and then the plan to go through to law school which i i i began and i um 
I did my LSATs, everything was fine there, but I decided at that point that I wasn't particularly interested in law either. And by that time I was 29 or, or thereabouts after I graduated. And uh, also to make matters better for me, I had become quite successful in while in university at building up um, a mini real estate empire. So I had quite a few properties in a good section of Hamilton, which I was leasing out and running a pretty good business. My, my plan was to, to go to law school, but after the LSATs and so on, I, I felt that it wasn't a good, a good fit for me. One of the problems with, with that, I felt, was that in order to make a living, a decent living, I would have to be there. And that wasn't really something that interested me that much. I wanted to develop a, a, you know, some kind of a business or career where I could uh, do it from wherever I wanted to or have others do it for me. And law certainly wouldn't allow for that. I'm pretty sure I would have been a good lawyer, but it, it just really didn't thrill me that much. I've not been sorry for that decision. I've run my businesses successfully thereafter. So one of the interesting things that I have noticed um, in talking with uh, graduates, um, every once in a while, I'll, I'll look up and think, okay, what did what degree did the, this person get? And almost to the fault, it's every time a sociology degree. So what do you think it is about sociology that uh, appeals to people? And then I think you've noted that it you've, you've taken a lot from that in uh, your successful business career. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, uh, I didn't, I didn't choose sociology because it was an easy default. I, I thought about it quite a bit. Sociology has to do with people and all kinds of things, and it's, it's bound to be interesting. And the, the professors I had were quite compelling as well. They made it more fun. Um, and, 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 and I'm going to say that I wasn't a very disciplined um, person necessarily, and maybe not a disciplined thinker either. And, and sociology and university in general helped me with that. Process. So I came out quite a bit better person, but sociology, uh, you know, it really does um, provoke thinking. And, and I've often said, and I do speak uh, sometimes in front of university groups, the postdocs, or, or the postgrads, and things like that at the, the Queen's uh, School of Business, uh, where some of the profs are friends, and they ask me in to talk about being an entrepreneur and this sort of thing. And, and I often uh, say that. I think that perhaps if I had gotten an MBA, it might have ruined me for running a business like this because I may have been a little bit too much inside the box. And this isn't a business what I do now um, that you can really open up a manual how to, you know, run a, a hot dog cart manufacturing business or, mm -hmm. you know, how to do anything to do with this. It's all was free form and learned the hard way. And um, I think the MBA certainly wouldn't have hurt me any, but the sociology has come in extremely useful in my business degree, and I. I don't think I would have been any more successful had I accomplished my MBA. Mm -hmm. So um, where did the idea for Willie Dog come from? Um, and, you broke, um, and you grew it into a, in a very successful franchise business. Yes, it's become a multi-million dollar operation. How it started, and uh, one of the things I like to say when I'm, when I'm speaking in front of the, some of the postgrads is that uh, necess uh, uh, desperation, I say, desperation is the mother of, of invention, not necessarily necessity. And I was pretty desperate. I had done quite well in the uh, real estate holdings um, business. I had quite a few properties, but I, I bailed a brother-in-law out of bankruptcy and uh, guaranteed some loans and things for him. And he reneged on that loan package and it ruined me financially when I was in my 30s. And so um, it was a long, dark tunnel. Nobody would hire me. I'd never been 
employed by someone else before, except maybe delivering newspapers and picking tobacco. So I had to do something. And the only outfit that would hire me was the brick furniture store. And so I became a furniture salesman for about eight months until they, they fired me. I was a little bit too um, outspoken when it came to the way they were treating the, the staff in general and the sales staff in particular. So they fired me. But in that period of time, I, uh, I noted that the hot dog guy outside the store, the hot dog vendor outside the store at Burlington was um, doing quite well, better than me. And I was a pretty good furniture salesman, even though I didn't enjoy it much. But uh, so by the time they fired me, I, uh, I developed the idea for the woolly dog concept. And so I, I just got that idea and I ran on it from a single location, which uh, operated at the original one was actually the Hagersville Canadian Tire. And then I put them at the local bars in, in Hamilton, um, some of which are probably still there, um, Tailgate Charlie's and all kinds of the busiest bars in town. And then developed into a concept that I could make work just about anywhere. And then I franchised it internationally. So we had locations in places like Israel, the States, Canada. Canadian tire dealers were actually good sources of franchisees for us. And um, I have been franchised um, now for about 10 years or so on uh, most of the franchises have expired and we moved on to manufacturing and export. But the franchising was a very successful thing and that was what I felt at the time to be an untapped resource. Just about everything had been franchised but nobody organized the hot dog cart industry and it dearly needed it, I thought. Mm -hmm. That was what started that one. So, I mean, it's evolved that you, as you mentioned, you've moved into more manufacturing and stuff. And it's not just um, like you build custom marketing and food trucks and you export them um, to, I think it's like 30 countries around the world, but you also do um, medical units for remote applications, COVID test units. So how did that sort of evolve? Um, business uh, business items of all things go on cycles. Apple has to keep developing new products or they become uh, irrelevant. And we're the same way. So the hot dog carts really boomed and it in itself was a multi-million dollar business and we still sell a lot of them. We're still the biggest player, player in that industry. But food, food trucks and, and the like were a natural extension of that. It was actually my daughter who, who uh, got me going on that when I was busy with other things and taking over one of our competitors in the States. And I, I just said, well, you can, you can do that. And I told her what to do. And in between the two of us, we developed that part of the business, which has become also the biggest in Canada of this sort of uh, thing, venture food trucks, it's called venture food trucks. And we, we rebuild, repurpose for marketing, for food services, for whatever uh, experiential marketing and so on trucks of all sorts, new, used, vintage, antiques, whatever they bring, we can make it new again and make it a, a really profitable uh, source of profit for our clients. Right now, we're just wrapping one up for Beyond Meat. It's one of several we've done for them, and we're flattered that an American company chose us way over here in Napanee to do that. Um, but they felt Venture Food Trucks was a, a good risk, and, and we've given them great results all along. Um, and it's a fun business. It's a very creative business, which is what I really crave more than anything. I like to be, I like to have my, um, you know, my, my creative uh, resources tapped into like that. And, and it's a very complicated business. Nothing easy about running even a hot dog cart, never mind making them, running them and, and doing manufacturing and export of all these other things. Um, and it's been, it's been good fun and, and very profitable. 
So your daughter, Nikki, who you mentioned is your business partner and her idea for a food truck line has reached international success. Did you ever imagine you'd work with your daughter and what has that experience meant for you? Well, she probably never imagined she'd work with me. <laughs> My son was, uh, he just got his, his, his uh, PhD from Stanford and he's doing his postdoc at Cambridge now. I consider his success to be my fault because he he's so determined not to join me here that he, he went that way. But Nikki also went to university, but when she came out and she's done quite a few things herself, she's had a varied career as well. And she's a creative and intelligent girl, but did I think it was gonna go that way? I had no, um, no intention of it. I, I've got to say that I consider part of running the family photography chain, Hotchkiss Studios Limited, Part of that was what I referred to as a 10-year black hole in my life because it was something I did because I was stuck there after my dad died and it wasn't right for me anymore. And I swore that I would never allow my daughter to work for me. I promised her I would fire her if I thought she didn't like it. And uh, you know, from time to time, it was a bit tentative, but she rose to the occasion and now she's doing a, a very complex job. And that would be an understatement. It's a, it's a very, very complex position she has. Um, and she does it really well when, when guys and girls quite a bit older and, and apparently, uh, well, not so obviously, were more experienced, couldn't do it. But here she is still standing after eight or nine years in the business and, and she loves it and she does a great job at it. So, I, didn't, I didn't expect it at all, to be honest with you. Oh, that's lovely. So not very many people know that much about the food truck industry. Have you ever, have you, have you had to bust any myths to customers or investors? I like to uh, start up front with people uh, and I don't, unfortunately, I don't have the opportunity to see our customers that often, but when I do, um, I, I'm not, I, I'm a very optimistic person and I, um, I try and stay that way. It's not hard for me, but sometimes people are too happy to get into something like this, too excited, or maybe they're fronting the, the investment because they have a, a kid they want to put to work. And I want them to know up front that this is hard work. It maybe has romantic um, notions at times or the air of romance at times, but it's bloody hard work. It can be very dirty work, extremely challenging. And you'd better think it through. I, I seriously do not want my customers' money if they don't take this seriously. I don't want failed customers. I want customers that can brag about how pleased they are that they invested their money with Willie Dog or with Venture Food Trucks for a long, long time, and that's what we have now. So that's that's the, the myth that I would say is most common. I, I think that was your, your question. It's, it's mm -hmm. not easy. It can be very lucrative, but you better be ready to work. So in, in preparation for our conversation, I watched a little uh, YouTube video earlier today, and I noted that in the background that you had a little, um, I think I, I would describe it like a saying posted on your wall that said, the man who never thought he could do anything never did anything. Why did you choose to have that behind your, your desk, I guess, in your office? It was my, my dad was um, uh, an immigrant to Canada and um, he, he became a Mountie when he was here. And, and at the, on that uh, sign, it also says 1947 motto, because that's when my dad was given that hand-painted sign by a friend of his in the Mounties who, who liked it, I suppose, idolized my dad. It's a great, um, it's a great motto, and I and I live by that. I don't I don't perceive to have any limitations, um, even though I do obviously, and I like that motto. My my dad was my idol, 
and that was a motto that I think a lot of people could live by. The man who thought he never thought he could do anything, never did anything. It's true. You you defeat yourself if you think that way. And I I don't I don't go into things thinking, gee, this thing is going to be easy. I go in thinking it's going to be a battle. And I'm usually right in that regard. If it's worthwhile, it will be a battle. But we persevere. And you know, this business, as much as we've been around for 30 years or so, uh, it's it's uh, and it's stable and and a very very successful business. One of my biggest um, sources of, of pride, Karen, is my uh, actually McMaster University graduation. My my humble little BA. That was a big thing to me. It's still one of the milestones of my life. But Willie Dog, the success of Willie Dog, which was a company I started from absolutely nothing. I was broke, less than broke, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, become a multi-million dollar company. And I don't know anything about it. I don't, I'm not a monitor. I'm, I'm lousy with the computer. But I was able to coordinate all these skills and, and get this business to not just succeed, but succeed in spades and become at the top of the class, so to speak, in this type of industry. So that's, a, that's a big source of pride for me. So the past year has been one that no one's expected. What have you learned about yourself from this experience and how has it impacted your leadership with your business? Uh, that's a really timely question, actually, Karen. Um, I, I used to spend, oh, I still do when I can, about six months traveling. I, I, I always say it's for business, but it's a mix of business and pleasure. And I, I, I study, you know, I, I speak Spanish, which I think is a really important language to learn. And um, so I go to, I like to go off into American countries. I disappear for six months. This time I came back on the, um, you know, on the, the beginning of, of COVID. And of course, I, I can't really go anywhere. I can't travel anywhere. I came back um, and I, I thought if I'm going to be here, I might as well go into the office and do something useful. Um, about that same time, my foreman of 13 plus years uh, went on, on stress leave and he never returned from that. So I came back um, and uh, got back in the driver's seat, even though it was still being driven. I wasn't wasn't here with much staff, you know, didn't, didn't all know me and this sort of thing. I, but I got back and I became the production supervisor, Ooh. which is interesting because I don't know anything about it. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't really turned a screwdriver for a while. And as I said before, I don't weld. I don't know how to run the, the turret press or any of that stuff. And I was appalled at the fact that the company was running perhaps at 40 or 50% compared to what I felt it should be. So I, I initiated a, a gradual turnover of staff and so we could get more quality staff in. I, I oversaw and physically got in there myself to clean the warehouse with a 32,000 foot uh, facility over here in Napanee. To get it organized, I, I want it to be like the inside of a Canadian tire store or something that organized. We're not there yet, but we're getting there way better. And so here I am. So it was a, I forgot your question now, but I was back in the driver's seat mm-hmm. doing something that I'm not qualified to do and doing it really well. Um, so that's what, that's how, what the, the effects of COVID <laughs> brought on. That's right. was um, the staff were hard to, harder to retain because the CERB made it a little bit easier for them to go away and stay away. Even yeah. though we pay very well here in the market, it was too easy for people who were so inclined to, to take advantage of that and want to come back. It's also hard to hire. So, um, you know, I, I relearned the meaning of getting dirty. I did everything here, but it's rebuilt now. COVID is still with us. We survived in spades. I wouldn't want to say that COVID made our business 
Uh, we didn't make more sales because of COVID. Our sales have always gone up because we, we reached critical mass ages ago and our business continues to grow on its own and our marketing is is very good. We're really good marketers. Um, so it just, you know, we were on fire at the beginning of COVID. It, it went stagnant for a, a month or so, then it took off again. This will be probably, uh, by the look of it, a record year in both sales and profits, not because of COVID, but in spite of COVID. And, um, and, and if I do say so, uh, I do have to say so, it's, it's got a lot to do with the fact that I came back here and shook things up. And our business has been um, almost reinvented. And I want to say something that's absolutely true, but although it sounds like a cliche, is that throughout my life, lots of times, um, my parents and, uh, you know, going, going bankrupt, uh, you know, before I started Willie Dog and losing everything and when I helped my brother-in-law and this sort of thing, never in my life have I faced adversity and not come out better afterward. And, and absolutely no exception. It seems the, the more difficult the situation, the, the, the more we shine and the, the higher we fly afterward. And, and COVID was just a good test of all of the instruments that I put in place over the years, which is zero debt, proper system that the staff can follow, um, you know, trying to keep the equipment in the right spot, which is hard for me because I don't even know what most of it does. But the, the big thing about COVID, to make a long um, answer to a short question, shorter was we just work harder for everything it's been um, been um, you know a painful experience but it certainly hasn't hurt our bottom line well that's good to hear so what's one piece of advice you wish you knew when you first graduated from mac um that's that's an easy one get serious sooner <laughs> i would have uh, i would have uh you know just coming out of a regular uh, you know high school education and you know, and we kept pretty good company. My dad always had, my mom always had guests from all over the world coming because they were, you know, international sorts of people. But um, I knew that there was more out there. But it needed, I needed university to help glue my pieces together. And and but if I had gotten serious about things sooner, uh, I um, it would have been a lot different, in my opinion. Mm. So what's next for you? Like, what do you think you're, where do you see yourself business, you know, your business or professionally in five years? Um, we're growing at, a, at a, a two digit rate, but the business, you know, I've always said one of the things about being an entrepreneur is not, <clears throat> not just buying office furniture and, and renting an office and waiting for something to happen. It's, it's anticipating, but the business always talks to me more than I speak to the business. And you can tell by, customer behavior or the input from our marketing, what people want. And so we have to watch for the next evolution. And so we started with carts, which we still make now. Venture Food Trucks is one of our subsidiaries, making the, the marketing and food trucks and all that. We're, we're just now, uh, you, you asked me a bit earlier, uh, getting, getting our marketing up to speed <clears throat> to do um, medical test vehicles and, and medical um, on location vehicles, things as dental or surgery or whatever, maybe even in the middle of, a, of the jungle, wherever it's needed, or some third world countries could use a, a vehicle that would go around and do, let's say, cataracts or dental work in, in these small villages where they, the natives don't have a chance to get out. So that's one. We're now just uh, about ready to start building our first cottage, um, container cottages, I crudely, crudely call them. <clears throat> it would just be cottages built on a the concept of variations and combinations of, of shipping containers or sea cans, if you like, mm. and uh, 
I'm just, just in the process of purchasing a waterfront lot now where we're going to put a, a test unit. We'll build one and see how it goes, see if the market really wants something that we're prepared to make at the profit we will do it for. My, my, my short uh, answer to that was, would be almost certainly they will. And um, so we'll, we'll hone that. I think that's going to be the next good um, cycle and there'll be more after that. I'm, I'm working on my helicopter license now. That's a good thing. And I'd like to, um, I don't want to retire, but I want to do different things. And this yep. business is in good hands and they don't need me. And, <laughs> and by the way, it's structured, by the way, so that the business is dependent on no one, yep. not even me. So if I were to uh, crash my airplane tomorrow, the business should continue to flourish without me. That's, that was what I, what I wanted. So earlier in our conversation, I mentioned to you that, you know, Willie Dog's a big thing at McMaster, you know, it's like, and, and, and I mentioned that, you know, uh, you know, oftentimes we send, you know, what's your favorite memory and Willie Dog always comes into the favorite memories. What is that? Like, does that, like, how do you feel when you hear, when you hear someone say that, that for them, you're part of their, their university memories that they'll look back fondly. It's, it's one of the biggest compliments that, that could be paid to me. And, and you wouldn't believe, believe how often that happens. Um, and I, I just, I get such a lift out of that. That's what drives me. I, I, you know, when my dad was around, I didn't work for the pay he gave me. And thank God for that, I would have starved to death. I, I, you know, he paid me in compliments more than a paycheck. That was enough for me. And, and when I hear what you just said, that's that my feet are off the ground right now. It means a lot to me, even though my voice doesn't change tone much. I'm really excited to hear that. Or I get my friends calling and they say, well, we've, we've just attended a, a Rolling Stones concert in London and your Willie Dog carts were all over the place. Uh, or I'm walking through a, a parking lot in, in some country, you know, in the middle of nowhere, a third world country, and I bump into one of my uh, creations making a, life, a living for some family in God knows where, you know, mm -hmm. it's a real, real lift. And, and, you know, we make these things to be bulletproof and I get a real a great pride of knowing there's tens of thousands of these things all over the world. So you have, uh, you mentioned about your helicopter and you're a pilot. So what made you want to fly the skies? Like, is it um, so you can travel anywhere you want or is it uh, feeding into a passion? No, it was, a, it was just a goal. And um, when I was in high school, one of the only two people in my life that actually knew when they were kids what they wanted to do was my, my friend Pat, who's an airline pilot for Air Canada now, and my son Malcolm, who, who just got his PhD and he's now at Cambridge University. Those are the only two guys that knew what they wanted to do. I didn't, but I, I had these minor goals like getting a pilot's license. And then once I got, did that, I thought, well, I might as well get an airplane since I could afford it. And a university graduation was one of those goals. Mm -hmm. And black belt karate and all kinds of things like that. Mercifully, uh, I've left for last. Uh, I want to play a musical instrument, and uh, mercifully, I can't. So I can't punish anybody with my my <laughs> music. But but um, it's just um, you know what passions do I have for the future? Just more of the same. It'll be a little bit eclectic. I want to continue to travel. I want my Spanish to get better, and I'd, I'd like to live in um you know keep up a residence in a, in a different place in Latin America, things like that. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy the freedom that uh, the way I've structured my business and life have, have uh, afforded me. And um, so I, you know, I, my mom used to say I marched to my own drummer and I, and I really do. And I learned that from my dad too, who didn't keep a regular schedule. And, um, you know, it works for me. I'm regarded as a bit odd 
you know, personally, I, I thought I was normal, but I think most people wouldn't exactly think that. And it just happens to work for me and it doesn't seem to hurt anybody. And then to be honest with you, by the way, if I, if I were like everybody else, this business wouldn't work, Karen. And you, you, yeah. People don't think, gee, I think I'll get a hot dog cart. I, I used to feel sorry for those guys when my dad would take me to Toronto and, you know, eat and pray in Toronto and stuff. And these poor guys were freezing outside. I thought they were, they were probably warm the way they were bundled up. But, you know, then I became one of these guys freezing outside and I didn't have the meat on my bones like they did. And I believe me, I, the, the meaning, the true definition of loneliness is being outside tailgate Charlie's at two in the morning in the middle of January. Mm -hmm. uh, it's cold and it's strange waiting for the... <laughs> Parties to come out, but um, uh, so um, but more of the same. Just whatever behooves me that's going to be interesting, and if it's for you know for income purposes to pay the bills, and I, I get a kick out of developing uh, new aspects of the business or working on something like the helicopter license, whatever. Mm -hmm. So as we uh, near the end of our time uh, chatting, we like to always ask people a few closing questions. So here we go. So your favorite memory of McMaster. I, being an older student, a mature student, I, I didn't, you know, at my age, I didn't have as much in common with, let's say, an 18-year-old. I was, I was 25 when I started, and I was really um, flattered and, and, and enjoyed being friends with some of the profs. And, you know, Wayne Willier was, uh, or Willier, depending how you pronounce it, was, uh, was a great professor and friend of mine. He may not remember me now. I'd love to know where he is now. Uh, the late Dick Brimer was a uh, he taught deviant behavior, which I did really well at. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, Dick and I became friends and he was a great guy. And those were the moments I really liked. They'd invite me to the university uh, club, the faculty club, and yeah. uh, which I'm a member of now and um, well, I've been for a while. But, you know, those were, those were really nice, nice points for me, um, high points for me. I, I just uh, really remember that I graduated on May 31st was when the hurricanes were occurring in, in, around Barrie. It was windy, but it was hot. Beautiful day. It was one of the highlights of my life, and um, and uh, you know, I, I, I met, that was one of the first, uh, or perhaps I think it was the first significant goal I actually realized was my graduation. I, you know, uh, everything happened before that or after that, and that was how I that was what I used as a time marker in my life. So what books are you reading now, or do you have a favorite podcast you like to listen to? I actually listened to uh, the Lager Lectures, and, and, and Bert Lager was a friend of mine. He was a lot older than me. If Bert were alive, he'd be 100 now. So that's, you know, around 40 years older than me. But Bert and I became unlikely friends, and he, he gave money to Mac. And I remember him talking to me about, about how it was going to happen, and he was annoyed because he wanted to tell them what to do with it. They wouldn't take money if they, if they, if he wanted to have any hand in what was going to happen. But what a great use of that because I listened. I didn't even know that that's how, how where his money went until a few years ago when I finally clued in on that. I'm a bit of a slow learner at times, and, and and that was that was one of the things. Bert was a friend of mine. I like his his lectures. Oh, and what books do I read? I, I don't read novels or any fiction or anything like that. But I like documentary quality things. And I really enjoy reading um, when they come out, uh, anything by Richard Branson, mm -hmm. whom I think is the is probably the world's premier entrepreneur. He's the real deal, not some pretentious know-it-all. And he's a, he's a true uh, altruist. I think he's great. I love his books and, and certain, um, not necessarily self-help books, but things like that. I, I find um, 
are can be quite uplifting. I, and I, uh, yeah, so that's that's the sort of thing I enjoy. Um, best COVID purchase. Um, <laughs> best COVID purchase. That's a good one. Uh, I sold my boats, but I just bought another one, just a little one to keep me happy till I get a bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> so a sailboat. Oh, and a couple, I'll let you know later if it was the best COVID purchase, but I bought two of those e-foils they're, they're called. It's a hydrofoil like a surfboard, but it's electrically powered. And so you go silently above the, the waves on this thing. So I ordered a couple of them and they'll be here in about a month. So I think that's a pretty good COVID purchase. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you don't hear from me again, you know it didn't go well. All right. All right. I'll make note of that. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. What are your favorite toppings for a willy dog? Um, I'm a simple uh, in my taste, a pretty crude taste. I like relish um, and maybe a little bit of mustard, depending on the day. And, um, and maybe sometimes a bit of mayo, but usually just relish and, and maybe just a, a touch of mustard, just that. Ah, so you see, now I load it up a little bit. I like mayo, olives, uh, potato chips. I like the crushed potato chips. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, little onion. Yep, that, that yeah, would be fine. That's, <laughs> that's a, yeah, you're over the top on that stuff. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm glad you're, you're putting it to the test anyway. Yeah, um, and one song that best describes your time at McMaster. You've only just begun. Ah, that's a great one. Uh, you've only just begun. You know that it's a bit of a cliche, but yeah, that that would be true. And McMaster was a really good thing for me, even even a, you know, some would say a sociology degree. But I joke to my friends who have loftier degrees that the, if they're lawyers or if they're economists or whatever they are, because I say, you know, an economist can only do things do the economy. You can't study a sociologist. Mm -hmm. A lawyer just does law. A geologist just studies rocks, but a sociologist can study the the geologist. I can study a lawyer, and I can study the, the economist or anyone else they want. So, so sociology is in fact the most complex and important degree of all. And whether they believe me or not, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a great way to put it. I mean, you've had an incredible, successful career, and uh, you know, it, it seems to me as you've taught, you shared your story that. There hasn't been a challenge that um, you haven't risen to, as you mentioned, like, you know, take it on. And so when things are going great, that's great. But when things are not going well, you seem to be able to, to rally and to do that. And that, I think, is a hallmark of a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, thanks for saying that. You, you really have to. And, and you know, when I, when I lost my, uh, my first million, I made it while I was still at Mac with my real estate holdings, but I, I lost it, so, you know, not that long after that. It was a, I was looking at a long, dark tunnel because most people don't recover from that. But failure wasn't an option. And, um, you know, um, but I, I, I knew that I was going to get it right. But I, I've always believed if you keep your heart in the right spot, uh, keep your head down and work hard, that even a mediocre idea would turn to gold or would become a good idea. And a good idea would become an excellent idea. And that's what Willie Dog and, and Venture Food Trucks, uh, well, it's, it's living proof that that's the case, at least with me, because I worked hard. And I think most people would agree that they're fairly lame ideas, but a hell of a lot of work, uh, you know, some brain powered, you know, you, you couldn't be a fool or it wouldn't work, a bit of uh, perception and, 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 and it just worked, you know, and quitting wasn't an option. You know, I, I, I lived very well to that point and I wasn't about to, you know, have anything less than the best for my family. And, 
you know, I've, I've not just been covered, but I'm far better off financially than I ever was. It's a hell of a lot more fun than, than owning a bunch of residential tendencies and all the trouble that brings. But, but we've got all that back again anyway, except mostly commercial properties. But it's just failure isn't an option. You know, quitting is not an option. What are you going to do? You just get on with it. Nobody wants to listen to me complain. So might as well do something creative and, and, and turn it around. And I've got to say that um, who would have thunk that, um, you know, running a hot dog cart could become a respectable multi-million dollar enterprise that it has been, but believe it or not, it has. Yes, it has. Yes, it is. Yeah, it certainly has. Well, thanks so much, Will, for spending time um, sharing your unconventional journey with us today. Yeah. It's been a really great um, discussion, and I know people will be very excited to know that I spoke with the CEO and top dog of Willie Dog. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, Karen. Thank you for asking me. I really appreciate that. <laughs>